0: We had this tithing challenge, and this is the kind of stuff that's scary to a lot of us, right? It's a 90 day tithing challenge. If you don't know, uh, the challenge that, that we put out there is for the next 90 days, trust God with your finances, tithe to the church. At the end of 90 days, if for any reason you want your money back, we'll give it back to you. We're not gonna ask you questions, we're not gonna trick you, guilt you, and we're not gonna bring out like pictures of my children, like oh, like any of that kind of stuff no guilt. You, you're like, hey, that wasn't for me. We'll cut you your check back, and we're still friends. We're still family, but it's a way for us to practice what God invites us into, and, and you find as you begin tithing, as you begin trusting that God is abundant with money, uh, I mean, I, I love that Angel found checks in her mailbox and other things like that. That's not everybody, but what is everybody is is you begin, like, the, the strings and the weight that money has on you, start, those strings start to get clipped, and that weight starts to get lifted. And all of a sudden, you experience a freedom you may not have known before. And uh, oftentimes, we're more responsible with our money, and God shows up in fantastic, powerful ways. This week, we are talking about time, which I would argue we probably feel like we have less of this than we have even money. I think that's at least if you watch us live, that's that's a bit how we live. And we're kind of running against the clock all the time with time, right? Yes. And time, um, I remember hearing somebody uh, say that they believe that time at the beginning of creation and time now are speeding up. And they had like, some scientific study that they had done that some scientists told me was complete bogus. But I thought that like, it made sense because every person that I know says like, well, when I was little time was slow and now like, time just goes so fast. And that's just what it feels like. And it feels like it's expiring. And it feels like we're rushing into something. So on, on Halloween, my kids wanted to go trick-or-treating and the big question they have is, am I too old? And reality is they get candy for trick-or-treating, so they are never too old because I tax them well. So trick-or-treat until you're like a thousand. I'm good. And, and so they all dressed up, and I decided this year I was going to dress up. And I dressed up as my dad. And nobody knows my dad, so I was just like a slightly overweight, awkward man with a briefcase and a mustache. Is what I ended up looking like. But as I did it, I was like, oh my goodness, I look like my dad. I look like him. Like I thought I was really young and cool, And I look just like my dad. And then last week, I was driving up to Chicago, and I looked in the rearview mirror because I thought there was a police officer there, and there was not. But there was an old man looking back at me in the rearview mirror. I was like, where'd you come from? And I was like naming the lines on my face, like that one's Carter, and that one's Durant. And like, man, what's going on? So I start, you know, you got a long drive to Chicago. I start thinking. And I'm thinking of my dad. And I realize, like, I'm, right now, I'm at the age that is, let me see if I can say this in a way that makes sense. I am halfway between the age that I was when he passed and the age that he was when he passed. And that's a weird spot to be. Because all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, you didn't have long. When I was young, I didn't realize that. Like, you, you you didn't have as much time as you probably thought. And it got me really reflecting on time. Last... Sunday, I was sitting in a meeting, and Martin showed me his phone that said the update on that church shooting that happened last week. And I believe there was like a pastor's child that was shot in that. And like, I, what is this? How does this happen? Several people within our church, and then other friends uh, in my neighborhood, are, are dear friends with that young man who was killed in the highlands this week, nine days after your wedding, you got tons of time. And no, it ends really quick. The amount of people in our family who are, in this church family, who are grieving loss. Even I talked to a couple of veterans yesterday who, as Veterans Day comes, they just think of people who didn't make it. And I'm grateful for these veterans, but these veterans are grateful for their friends and, and the people who either didn't make it out of battle or didn't come back the same and are now a radically different woman or man than they were than they, when they first enlisted. This is heavy stuff, right? I mean, time is, is the scarce, scarcest and the scariest commodity because we can't ever check our account. I might not have much money, but I know exactly how not much I have. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's on my phone, as long as I paid that bill. I know exactly how much not much I have. But time, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. And if we're looking at time, it's important to remember who we are. It's important to remember what we are designed for. And so for a couple minutes, we're just going to look through scriptures that I hope if you've hung out with us for more than 10 minutes, you've seen us look at because I think about three, four times a year, I make us look at the same list of scriptures because this is who you are and this is who I am. We start Genesis one. When we're getting formed and getting made, God said that let us make man and woman in our image, and he made us, and then God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it. I have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He says, hey, you are made in my image, and now go be my representative. Go be me. Go be like me. You're already made like me. Go function as like my dignitaries down there, as like the young princesses and princes of the king. Go do what I do. This isn't like go scorch the earth and be me. No, like the order that I brought in Genesis 1. Go keep that going. Go be good stewards of what I've invested in you. Not because it's above what you can do and you're going to realize you need me. No, because this is what you were created for. I made you to do this. In Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you will curse, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This God who does not yet even say what his name is, is saying to this, this man, Abram, hey, leave what you know, and some, sometimes there's something to this. A lot of us have had to leave what we know to like, d- discover how much we didn't know there. I had to leave where I was from. Many of us leave and come right back. And got, There's something to that that God moves powerfully in. But often we have to leave what we know to like start to trust. And he says, hey, leave even leave your dad. Leave every bit of security that you have because I'm actually the one who provides that. And he doesn't do it just so Abram can experience it. He says, every family on this earth is going to be blessed because of you. That's God's plan. Here I am, this like Norwegian guy, lots of years later, grew up in the Midwest, find myself in this city that can't even decide if we're south or Midwest or anything. <laughs> but here we are. And my life is blessed because God spoke to Abram. And the blessing that He spoke over Abram is now on my life. I'm to be a blessing to every family that I meet. Not because it's overwhelming for me, but because it's within me. Because I was created for it. And that's not because I'm special. That's because I'm His. You were created for that. Every family you went across, you're to be a blessing unto because that's who you are. That's just who we are. In Mark 1, We we see these scriptures all the time. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. So all these people are waiting for the kingdom of God. When? When will God show up? When is his kingdom here? I think we see this, we say this same stuff. We read the news and we say, When is God going to show up? We keep putting this hope in like some different understanding of eternity in heaven that that is kind of extra biblical, and we'll get into that soon. But like, when is God going to show up? And Jesus, as He starts His ministry, is like, the kingdom of God is right now. Repent, which is not just like behave better. Repent is like turn around. (laughs) Turn back onto the path God has for you. Believe. This is the good news that He has for you. That who you were is now who you are to be again. So he, Jesus dies, right? And He conquers death. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, He, he is risen from the grave. Like, I, I, I don't know how... We say that a lot as people who believe in Jesus, but I don't know how often we reflect on that. Like the power of the Holy Spirit, this guy that we like don't know quite what to do with, raised Jesus from the dead. He was dead, and then he's not dead. And there is life, and after he is risen, he says these words to us. In Matthew 28, he, he came to the disciples and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All the authority that could be, all of the power that gets to say what is done and what is not done has been given to Jesus. And because of that, he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I love that. Behold, I am with you always to the very end. All the power that we are afraid is in the hands of the enemy has been given to Jesus. And so he says, because I have all power, go be who you were to be from the very beginning. Go be who you were in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 12 and in Mark 1 and in every other chapter in Malachi 3 when it's returned to me, because I have never left all of this. He's saying, go and be you go. You're good. You can go at the speed of you. You can go with the power that is within you, not because you are awesome, but because in him you are awesome. It's because he is at work within you and has always said it. And here's the thing. You don't run off on your own. Behold, he's with you. And to me, I've told you this before, there is so much comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within me, but there is something different about the idea that Jesus is with me. I need both of those. I need and you need me to have the Holy Spirit in me, I guarantee you. You don't ever want me to have a microphone if the Holy Spirit isn't in me. Because like, who wants to hear this? Northern drawl, right? But when he's in me, change can happen. But every single day I find comfort in the fact that Jesus is with me. He's in me and he's with me. But the Holy Spirit in us, in this time, what does that actually do? Romans eight eleven says this. If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Read that like two, three times. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the one who raised Jesus from the dead, right? And the Holy Spirit is the one who lives within you. He's the same power. He, he, he's not like, he doesn't change. Scripture's clear on that. So this power that has so much life that it conquers death lives within you. This is not a statement about heaven. This is a statement about today. This is a statement about t- right now. In this moment, in your mortal body, in my mortal body, the Holy Spirit dwells within me to bring life out of it. To bring life out of you. This should affect the way we see time. It should. Time should be different. There was a time before Matt knew who Jesus was. And I was... In seventh grade, and I was about as lost as a seventh grader could be, and I was a pretend deep thinker, and I thought I was like incredibly, like the world needed me, in some super arrogant, silly ways. And my grandfather died, and I tailspinned, and I was dying, guys. I was seventh grade, but I was dying, and I was about destruction. I know, like we all have different levels and whatever, but for me. Man, I was about destruction. And God met me. And His Holy Spirit lived within me. And He gave me the invitation to life. And since that day, I've had a choice in how I was going to invest my time. I could spend my day with one foot in the grave towards death and just slowly decay. And I've spent lots of days that way. Or I could spend my day with one foot in the tomb, knowing that someday this heart's gonna stop. But this mat's never going to stop living. Actually, I'm only going to come more alive. So I get to practice now. One foot in in uh, this clock counting down, or one foot in the reality that eternity has already begun. One foot into frantic spending of time or one foot into savoring a moment knowing that it's a glimpse of heaven. One foot into fleeting moments and anxiety or one foot into lasting moments that bring peace. Since that day, I've gotten to choose how am I going to spend my time? Now this next series that starts next week it's called Harps and Liars. And we're talking about heaven. And we spend a couple weeks on this. And I'm really excited about this. We're going to have some cards for you to pass out next week to invite other people. I think this is the, some of the questions that we have about, uh, about eternity. About what is heaven? What does the Bible actually say about it? All this kind of stuff. But a little preview for you right now. This eternity... For those of you who find your hope and faith in Jesus Christ, it has begun. It's already begun. It has begun in your life. Now, the greatness and the fullness of when it's like capital H heaven, it just makes me smirk. But it's already begun. This new life is here. This moment counts right now. He's bringing life to our mortal bodies right now. But what does this mean? It means we're given X amount of, of time, right? And we have decisions to make. And how we spend it. We have deci- they're theological decisions. Do we really believe that the old is gone? If we do, then we don't invest time in the old. Do we really believe that the new has begun? If we do, then we invest our lives in the new. Do we really believe that God is bringing life to our mortal bodies, then we? Then we invest our time in believing that. See, how we spend our time determines how well we believe it. Let, let me try to show it to you this way, OK? I know this room isn't like, someday we'll have a church without a pole. It'll be fantastic. Let me try to show you it this way. Okay. We have a way of investing our time. Either into decay or into life. Every decision, right? So a lot of us will come... Like, we came to church today. Probably you were like, hey... I've got to remember which one's which. Okay. We're like, hey, you know what? I want to invest some time in life. I, I need that feeling you get at Pastor Love that is more than a hug that I get on a Tuesday. There's something different when we like pass around. If you're brand new here, we do that every week. I'm not gonna lie to you and say like, oh, that was right, no. We hug on each other, they keep hugging disrespectfully even when I tell them not to, <laughs> every single week, every week. And the reason is not like because no one's a germaphobe, because if you knew us, like half of us are. But there's something that happens when we're together we experience life and then and then we leave here and uh, I'm going to give us a generic day. OK, a lot of us like go get get lunch. I, I see a lot of like, hey, where are you going to lunch? Where are you going to lunch? And we like feast together and eating is good. Well, it was on its own. It's neutral, right? Like we need to. And most of us are like, yeah, that gives me life. But then like those last 15 fries, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That's when I go from feasting to like asking that fry to be something God never intended that French fry to be. I've got joy in conversation, but shh, I need this fry. But we move on. It's all good. And then, then we go like we have errands to run. Errands are neutral on their own. Believe it or not, gentlemen, they're neutral. They're not bad. They're not evil. Stores are not evil on their, they're on their own. And we go run errands and we have time with the kids and we have time with friends and we go get those done. And maybe, maybe just it's neutral time. And then we go home and we, we need to relax and we need to have peace. And I hate to tell you, but God is very about... Like, I love Sabbath. I love to relax. Part of the gift of living life well is we're to slow down. Slow down. And so we go, we turn on the football game and like, oh, I'm going to relax and watch two teams that I could care less about. And then I'm going to worry about a couple political things and then I'm going to go back and just relax. (laughs) Right? But then that third game comes on. And you know, like, I got stuff to do. But this game's on. And I can avoid, and I can avoid, and I can avoid. And I could care less about highlights. I actually hate football, but it's on. That actually died. That, that's the moment you die. <laughs> and this just happens. And we're medicating, we're avoiding. It's time to sleep. But that that rest, that time that we were to relax, we didn't let relaxing do what relaxing is supposed to do, which is like slow down your mind, slow down, like sort your thoughts like a messy desk. We don't let it do that. We medicate instead. So then it's time to sleep, and I can't sleep. And we go into sleep frantic. Where it doesn't recharge us, and it doesn't replenish us. It just feels like rushing towards death. And it feels like I don't have time to sleep. I gotta wake up early, I gotta go to bed late. And like this is prideful stuff in our society, right? We brag about how late we stay up. And we brag about how early we wake up. I I'm gonna give a high five to the next person in the church who's like, hey, you know what? I go to bed at eight. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) I saw this tweet this week from from Reverend Doctor Lecrae. It's almost time for bed, so let me just check Twitter, Instagram, and a full season of a show on Netflix real quick. (laughs) Right? I can't tell you how many adults I've talked to who their doctors have said, hey, you know what? This is what I'm going to prescribe. Don't look at a screen before you go to bed. That's what a doctor is saying. And we're like, doctors don't know anything. (laughs) Let me just get my email. I guarantee you I'm not that important. I'm not. But I like to pretend I am. I check my email, there's nothing there. I check CNN, there's nothing there. I check ESPN, there's nothing there. I end up playing like words with friends, with myself. (laughs) And I wonder why I'm tired. A Monday morning comes. And we woke with a a free Sunday where we began experiencing the life that God intended us to. We began being filled with His life and His breath with the Holy Spirit in us. And then we just bought into decay. Any of you ever spent your day like that? And you wake up Monday morning and you're like, why did I, I got to do this again? And then you see somebody who's like, I got to do this again. And you want to punch them. You get to choose, guys. I get to choose. Now, that, like, I know somebody's thinking, like, Matt's trying to take away my Netflix. No, I'm not. You keep your Netflix. I hope you have your own and you're not stealing somebody's password, but whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to remind you that your time has meaning. Yeah. Right. And it's a very honest exercise to ask these neutral things like food or Netflix what we're asking it to be. If you're asking Netflix to be your source of joy in life, yeah, you, you may want to like watch a little less. Because it's really bad at that. If you're asking it, it to just medicate everything, well, that, that's, that's just not, not going to happen. I think when it comes time to rest, be really good at resting. Rest well. Christians should be the best at Sabbath. We should be the best at resting. When it's time to celebrate, man, we should throw the best parties. I've always thought this. We should be able to out party anybody because we have reason to celebrate. We actually know why. Right? And then when it's time to work, we should work hard. Work hard, knowing that no matter how menial the task is, God's Spirit is in you, and He's asking you to be a representative of Him wherever you are, whether you see one person or thousands of people during the day. We get to work hard. Why? Because all our meaning is not found in that job. Our meaning is found in Christ, so we can go do whatever He asks us to do. And then it's time to serve the Lord. And we just get to serve with joy. With life, with fullness. So, back to the very beginning, Genesis 1, God says, Let us make man and woman in our image, right? What is the image that we're made into? And Philippians tells us that that Jesus was the servant of all. It tells us that Jesus was like, deserved all honor and glory and served. Everybody to the point of death on the cross. The image that you and I were made in is that of the serpent, of that of the one who sees our time as valuable. And if my time is valuable, then I will gladly spend it on your behalf to help you. See that your time is valuable, not just because it's valuable in some weird way, but because God is in it, that His Holy Spirit's in it. Most of us come here because we believe God's desire is to do something with us as a church. But You know, these times together, they're not just filler. They're not times together with the body of Christ. They are not neutral times. They're not. These are times that are meant to bring life. They are healing, kingdom breakthrough times together, like when you volunteer in children's ministry. Like, God grabbed a hold of my life very young. But I can imagine, I can imagine what it would have been like if He had grabbed a hold of my life like the time that He did in my kids' lives. How differently I would have felt when my grandfather died. How differently I would have talked to my friends. How much more hope I would have had. And when you're, when you're volunteering in children's, you're not babysitting. I went up there last week. The, the kids in our church, they're beautiful guys. There's this uniqueness to our collection. We have, we have uh, some typical kids. We have some atypical kids. They love each other way better than we do and you go spend time with them, investing in the kingdom of God in these young ones, and they're getting it, guys. They're getting it. You usher. I, I, I think like the usher team and the greeting team is the most important to a church. You know why? Because they tell people whether you can buy what's in the room or not. You're not handing a program and random things that I give you on weeks that I preach. What you're doing... Is you're telling them whether they really belong, whether they can really expect to find hope and life and joy in that room, or whether they're just a number in a seat. We don't have numbers and seats here. And those of you who are ushering people, you are not ushering them to a chair, you are ushering them to the presence of God. What better way to spend your time? What better way to invest your time? We have these 2020 conversations, right? Every month. Where we talk about what the Gospel looks like in a room like ours that is diverse in more ways than I can count. What does it look like when Jesus is the only thing that we hold on to and everything else, we loose our hands. That is an investment that I will make. That is a worthwhile space. It's a place where healing and life happens. It's not just a tied-up Saturday night. That's the kingdom of God breaking through in powerful profound ways. Every 12th of the month, today. We're at 12/12, speaking hope into a place that's desperate for it, allowing hope to rise up in us that someday that will be our home, but until then we're going to care for people like we're already there. And today we're going to pass out sandwiches and we're going to dishes and clothes and all kinds of stuff. You know what that feels like to someone receiving it? It is not a dish. That is the hope of Jesus Christ coming near them. And they get a moment to decide, is this me or not? Is this for me or not? And all of a sudden, this weird church from down the street comes and says, hey, you know what? I believe that Jesus loves you enough that I'm going to spend my day making sandwiches, putting out dishes, giving my stuff, my neighbor's stuff, whatever I have, because you're worth it. Yeah. And maybe just, maybe somebody is going to believe it's for them. And I'll tell you what, that is worth My Sunday and my Monday and my Tuesday and my Wednesday. It doesn't matter what day. It's worth it. That's a worthy moment. And I'll tell you, there's something different about this church because I can bring my kids every single time. And my kids come and they don't hang out with me because I'm a nerd. They hang out with you. And they walk around with their church family and they're cared for by their aunties and their uncles within the church. And all of a sudden there's this beautiful expression that we go home filled with life. Why would I ever want to miss that? Or why would I ever act like that's ordinary? You see, we have these moments where we live into who we are. We're fueled by active worship, living out this prayer of heaven colliding with earth. So maybe today you need to talk to somebody. We're going to have some ministers around. Maybe you need to talk because you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're like, I've heard of Jesus, but I don't, I don't know what that is. Or maybe decay has just stolen too much of your life. You believe in Jesus, but decay is winning. And you need to pray and lean on a brother or sister to say, hey, you know what? That life, I know it's in me, but you got to help me call that out. I want to invite you to talk to Kat, Jamel, myself. Like, Talk to us. We want to pray with you. We want to hold you up. Bring your little marble home as a remembrance of like, this, is, this matters. Any moment that we're in matters. And then we come to the table because it's only through Christ that any of this is true. I'm speaking garbage if we don't have Jesus. But with Him, the power that raised him from the dead lives within you. Not to bring death, but to bring life. He lives right beside you. He is with you. So you never do another day alone, and you never do a day to decay again. And at someday my heart is going to stop. And if it's before you, then come to the party and say like, hey, Matt is living well now. And what began is only continuing. So as we close this part, I just want to read a prayer over us, found in Colossians, and then I want to invite you to the table, okay? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body right here, one church, and be thankful.